0: Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit Group. Com.
1: Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host,
0: Anthony Crudelli. Host,
1: Anthony Crudelli.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Futures Radio Show, where we will highlight our favorite moments of the show over the past month. But before we get started, I want to thank all of our sponsors, CME Group, Trading Technologies, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. So without further ado, let's dial... Walk us through how your strategy works.
2: Yeah, so so just kind of a big picture view of it is... Um- is obviously I find out which which side is in control. Okay, um, I like to look at market structure through a point and figure, through a, kind of a, a what I, it's a delta profile point and figure. And why the reason why I like the point and figure so much is because ES is a very rotational market, and that point and figure shows that the the, no, the rotational nature of that. Um, and so I'm a, easily able to identify which side gets it wrong. So. If I could sum up my process in just like one sentence, it would be to to find out which side gets it wrong, and then I lean against those traders. So I just call them basically trap traders. You'll find very frequently you get heavy, heavy selling, selling imbalances near lows or inflection points. Um, near the lows, whatnot, and then uh, a high amount of buying volume and, and, and people getting long. When the market gets too long and it starts to rotate lower, then those longs up there are, are getting trapped, right? And so I like to identify those those types of areas, and then I like to lean against those those traders.
0: So you said you want to determine which side is in control. That's your first step,
2: right? That is, yeah, correct. Correct. Right. So if we're, I mean, we're obviously in a super bullish market or if we're in a super bearish market, which we obviously haven't seen in quite some time, um, I want to trade with that flow because my 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 thought process is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm a, I'm a small trader, right, in, in the realm of, of who is trading the S&P futures. There's always larger traders, okay, that, that, are, that are trading the market. And so, you know, I don't like to be swimming upstream. And I use that analogy quite often. Swimming upstream is not, it's not fun. It's not easy. Um, and you're, you're putting the odds against yourself. So I like to swim with the stream, with the flow.
0: How long does it take you in the morning to determine which side has control?
2: Yeah. So, so again, I, I, to determine that, I go back to my, my point and figure. So I use a 20 or 25 tick. Point and figure, and that's kind of again, I adjusted based off the recent volatility in the market, um, and that gives me a good idea of, of the price structure. So, there are certain levels and certain areas um, at which, in my mind, one side loses some control, okay. Um, and so I determine w- what those areas, what those levels are. Um, and if we're trading above, above those areas, then, then the buyers still have their edge. Gotcha. Um, so I'm going to be leaning on the long side. Once those, once those specific areas get taken out, then that shows me sellers are gaining an edge. And I want to start looking to trade with, that, with those sellers.
0: You've been at this for a while. You're on the right path what's a piece of advice you could give traders to start getting on the right path?
3: Do you know what, from my experience, right? 99% will listen. Not they, They'll only learn or people only learn. And I'm talking about myself. I would only, I only learned once I made my own mistakes. I could tell everybody, you should, you know, these are my, this is the mistakes I made and you shouldn't do this. It goes in one year, comes out the other until they've, internalized it by experiencing the losses and what they're doing isn't working for them now for some people it takes years for some people they're quick at grasping yes okay make make the change quick so you know okay i would say i would give advice and the advice would be you know be very picky with your setups it's okay you know to miss a setup you know stuff like that those are just general you know stuff that anybody can tell you but my experience is okay make the mistake and I don't think we'll ever stop making mistakes, but I think with experience we make less of them, and the impact it has on our trading accounts is, you know, it's less adverse. So, um, yeah, I, I personally just say make your mistakes, but and that's the only way people learn. And at the end of the day, right? You know, everybody wants to be a trader, but not everybody can. I mean, the success rate is really low. But I think you have to, and it, and it'll make, you know, you have to be you have to be completely like, for me anyway, I had to be obsessed while I was developing to come to the level I'm at now. Whereas some people are just can't do it quick. Um, so, and the only way I'd learnt was from my mistakes. And if somebody had told me you should do this, that day, I wasn't listening, really listening to them. I'd say, yeah, I had to respect, but I wasn't really going to listen. I was still going to do my own thing. And you'll find many days people are still doing the same thing, but not progressing. Because, one, they're probably stubborn. And two, just... Some people are just not willing to learn unless they make their own mistakes and realize for themselves, okay, now I'm going wrong. And once you in turn, once you accept that, okay, I need to change, that's when you'll only change. And that's when I think all the doors open. But like standard advice I would just give would be just um, just be really patient. Patience, I think, and discipline is the, probably the biggest thing. Because once you've got your strategy, you've got your strategy, there's only so much you can really do in the markets when it comes to you now executing a trade. But the discipline and patience are waiting for it and waiting for it. I think that's a big battle in itself. You know, as much as I, there'll be days where like, you know, I've got I've got no trade, I've got no trade. And then you start, you know, ideas start coming to your head that I should do this. Oh, it's okay, I'll take a small one. But that, you know, slowly can turn out to be a big problem. Whereas if you've been trading for a while you say, you know what, I know I'm what I'm doing. And that's only proven to you or internalized with your performance. Yeah, I've made a success out of it for a couple of years. So I definitely know what I'm doing. So all I need to do is just stick to it. The trade opportunity will come, one way or another, It'll eventually come. So what does that do that? You're not gonna blow your account, and that's it.
0: Sam, talk to us about the fundamentals you're seeing right now in crude oil.
4: Fundamentals are looking good. We still see a lot of supply uh, going out in the market because of the demand. Demand is uh, holding very strong. Uh, We see Far East picking up a lot of oil still. And no matter what's going on with the trade wars, China is still importing a lot of oil. Uh, Saudi Arabia is exporting a record amount of it. Uh, We just closed July, and we saw 1.8 million barrels per day. That's a record for us. Uh, Back in June, we had something like 1.4 million barrels per day. So it's a significant jump. So even though Saudi Arabia has cut down its exports, In general, uh, over the past month, uh, they shipped a lot more to China as a result. So all this with the China trade war, uh, killing demand and so on, we don't see that happening. The fundamentals are, in fact, looking uh, good for oil in that regard. Then we have the U.S. as well. We see big storage draws, but every time there's a tweet about uh, China tariffs, and obviously that that kills the whole sentiment of of uh, demand, and so that that causes uh, a drop in the in the barrel price, so which is you know quite ironic because you see big draws, but then you see a big drop in price as well
0: I know that a lot of the traders listening are primarily technical and they 'll look at fundamentals for guidance, you know a theme as to what 's happening in the crude oil market. What's the biggest story that's having an impact on crude oil that traders should be watching?
4: I think the biggest story right now is the fact that uh, you have this uh, whole um, issue of what's the accurate number out there in terms of what's being shipped. And I know that most of the countries that, that we are all in the tanker tracking community uh, cover, uh, we have we're pretty much – even Stephen, when it comes to uh, the barrels, that uh, for instance, Venezuela is shipping or Libya is shipping, et cetera. But then there are a couple of countries which uh, we have complete big differences on. And one of them is Saudi Arabia, and the other one is is Iran. Saudi Arabia may sound surprising, but they in fact they employ the similar kind of tactics as Iran does when it comes to. Uh, cloaking some of their exports, or in fact, if they're not cloaking it, they're actually delaying the data so that the vessel will depart empty, or at least look like it's empty, and then once it's near its destination, they'll update and say it's full, and that could take weeks uh, for it to update. So in the case of Iran, they're cloaking most of their exports, uh, almost, I would say, all, And uh, but once they reach a certain Place on the map, for instance, the Suez Canal or the Strait of Malacca, the Singapore Strait. They have to broadcast what they're actually holding, and so yeah, we get a big uh, discrepancy uh, in, in in regards to what's being shipped. And and yeah, we we we're working our best to make sure that people are informed with the uh, with the most accurate uh, figures out there. And we employ uh, t- uh, techniques such as. Um, satellite imagery on a daily basis to uh, see what's leaving the ports we identify the vessels visually and we can measure uh, from their shadow depth as to how much content they have aboard
0: can you expand a little bit more and explain to everybody why the weekly charts are so important to you in your day trading not just in your uh, homework
5: Yes, absolutely. Holding on to the larger, wider time frames, it keeps me out of trouble for these whipsaw tweets that cause crazy price action. Because at the end of the day, let's think about it this way. Big money can't move in and out all the time because there are too many transactional costs that they are going to have customers bulk at and clients bulk at if they see that amount of motion. Now we do have high frequency trading and that pushes things around, but in general, big deep pockets initiate into the market and then they hold the line steady and they say, all right, to whoever it is that's executing, hey, if it comes into this level on the low, This is where my risk is ideal, I want you to pick some up there. No matter what happens, just pick it up there. If it drops below, wait until it recovers, pick it up there. And so because I use these weekly and monthly charts, what I end up seeing is, once I move away from initial support or resistance, any kind of whipsaw tweets that occur fall back into these value areas or spike up into the areas that are profit-taking. And it has been really, it's like putting bumper guards around me. Now, granted, I miss some intraday motion that's very swift, but the one thing that it's done is keep me out of trouble and getting me in a drawdown situation That is uncomfortable to manage intraday.
0: Hey, everybody, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap US stocks. Be sure to check out the e mini Russell 2000 Index futures contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit footsierussell.com. You mentioned that the key is to, to set yourself up for success when it comes to defining discipline for you. What's your advice to those trying to plan, put a plan in place and get some structure of discipline and in trading in their life?
6: I think the easiest to put a plan in place is one step at a time, right? I mean, I think one step at a time in a sense, and I'll say it again, it's if you're not accountable to yourself, if you're not ready to be accountable to yourself and for yourself, then find somebody who can support you until you're able to do so. So with that mentors and support system, they always have, steps to support you right it's one step so if it's waking up early then wake up early if you can't wake up early every day monday through friday then try it three days a week two days a week right and so some people may say oh you know she's taking it too easy on the person but really what i want an individual to feel is success because once they feel good about things, then they'll do it more and more and more. And you know as well as I know that that is a snowball effect, right? You start to, you know, if you sleep, you have a better sleep, you get up early, that starts your regimen, then you choose better foods, then you're more alert when you sit in front of the screens, right? Then you make better choices when you're in front of the screens. And then you not only do you react with intent, but then you have the ability to respond with a clear head, right? And then you're able to be proud of whether it was a scratch day or maybe a small loss day or a win day. And if it's a win day, maybe it's a big win day. You know, the the market gave you a home run or maybe it gave you a single, maybe a double, you know, maybe a triple. And, And so it just builds from there. Right? It's just one small step in the right direction. You know, if it's walking 10 minutes a day, then that's great. You know, on the flip side, there are people who work out really hard every day. And actually what they need is to take a step back and really give themselves a break one day a week, maybe even two days a week. So, you know, it's it's knowing yourself and then taking one small step because we all know that that one step leads to more Steps towards success.
0: Another thing I want to talk about is holding a winner for a bigger move, or if something comes up just shy of the target, you know, what do you do in that in that particular instance?
7: Yeah, well, so the, and this is a this is a it's a great question. Like, how do you how do you stay with a winning trade? And you know, we we've I, and I this just came out of my own development of just trying to be more consistent, right? Because there's no 100% setup in markets. Anybody who tells you that is likely selling you something. I mean, literally, they're probably trying to sell you something. But um, there, there are four questions that I found that I keep using to help define the trade. Because, Like, you think about how the brain works against you once you're in a trade. Like, e- if you're, even if you're wrong, the brain is trying to tell you that you're right. And I think Denise Scholl has done some uh, great work, like, around behavioral alpha and talking about how the brain will start working against you and some of the biases once you're in the trade. So you have to define the trade before you put the trade on. So we use four questions every time before we put a trade on. And if, if a developing trader comes to us, uh, this is where we start. We're like, look, you do not put a trade on until you can answer these four questions. So the first is, well, what's the opportunity? Like why this trade? What What is it about this? And it could be, like within profile language, there's something called a structure cleanup. So you could be looking to clean up structure. You could be looking to, you know, fade the IB. You're looking to go with the IB. You could be looking to um, take a second move on a binary event, like an EIA, whatever the opportunity is there. But can you quantify it in terms of a price target? So let's start there, like a real objective target. Okay, from that, then the second question is, what am I willing to risk to go after that target? And then that's, You know, like with the crude trade today, we saw a target that was about 25 cents. Okay, well, what am I willing to risk for that? And that was a reasonable target. Um, It it was could we have gone more than that? Sure. But the reasonable target was about 25 cents. Okay, well, what am I willing to risk to get that 25 cents? That's the second question. Then the third question is, well, what would tell me that I'm right? Because, you know, like as traders, we're really storytellers. Like we we because we're making decisions on the right edge of the right edge of the chart, we're creating a narrative of where we believe the story will go next. And and certainly some are better storytellers than others, but when we're putting on a trade, we had in our mind what that story would look like. So okay, let's let's articulate that. What should what should happen? What should not happen? Okay, if, if I'm looking for a you know, trade to, to go directionally. What should I see? I should see more volume in the direction that I want to go. I should see any counter direction, like direction that's going against me. I want to see really weak and I want to see it get slammed back, you know, back away from me. Uh, that's the, the the next part. And then the last question is, well, what would tell me that I'm wrong? Like, what should I not see? So like today when we, we were taking a fade trade, so you're fading a large move market. Well, what should I not see? I should see, I should not see the aggressive buying, and people lifting the offer, I should see the weakening of the offer, which is great. Uh, I should not see volume spikes against me. Like I should see, uh, I should see the, the divergence between price and value remain, because that was part of the key components of the trade. As long as that stuff all stays in place, you stay in the trade. And then as you're moving in the direction of the trade, then we we use those smaller time frames to just help trail to protect. You know, as we get into the the target. And then eventually we're using like OCOs, like, you know, at the target and then a trail, uh, just to protect against, you know, some type of binary event or in the world that we live in, maybe a tweet (laughs) that that, that can, uh, can come in.
0: Can you give us a little bit more insight into the process and the details that went into creating the 30 year bond? I'm just wondering how you decided the tick size, and you know I, I really just everything that went into developing that contract
1: well it it, it really followed the Jenny May, and that was um, the model for the design of the bond contract. Okay. We went through several iterations, you know, should it be you know two hundred and fifty thousand five hundred what should be the size of the contract and and ultimately we designed it so that it would have similar movements in value to the physical commodities and that was really the driver you know exchanges and and competed with each other to keep margin requirements comparable and you needed to have a, a contract whose size and margin were competitive enough with the grains and the metals uh, to compete for the speculative dollar. It wasn't driven by the commercials because the commercials always could trade a multiple. While that was a million-dollar round number at the point. The hundred thousand was chosen to compete for speculative capital. We knew the dealers would trade and they could understand. The same with the tick size of a thirty second, you know, it was basically um patterned so that market makers could make money by buying a bid and selling an offer and make the tick as market makers. So you had to design the size of the contract, the method of delivery, as well as the tick size to compete with market makers and and whatnot. So we had those with the design issues. We also set the hours so that they would open before the grain markets open and close after, so we'd get people trailing into the pits to do that. Um, And uh, we designed the cheapest to deliver because it followed the grain markets. And in terms of optionality, when you write or invent a futures contract, the requirement is that it gave whatever optionality there was to the seller because the seller would ultimately control the supply so it the cheapest to deliver the late deliveries you put as much optionality in the contract for the seller to maximize their participation and their liquidity
0: Hey, everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I want to pause and thank one of our sponsors, Trading Technologies. I started using TT in the year 2000, and I love it. It is by far the best trading platform I have ever used, and I've tried a lot of them. With TT, you can trade the global markets from virtually anywhere in the world. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. I highly suggest you go try out TT, especially because you can try it for free. Just go to tryttnow.com and set up your account. A lot of what we discussed today was very high level and not for the beginning options traders. So for the futures traders out there that are interested in learning more about options or potentially even trading options, yeah, can you give us a few things that we should maybe pull up on our platform and, and keep an eye on? And also, because we as futures traders focus a lot on directional moves. Can you give us a basic options trade example of how we can maybe trade a direction of the market using options?
8: So good question. So if you once you kind of got yourself set up and uh, you're, you're looking at options, you've got the capability, just keep keep things really simple around call spreads and put spreads um uh, and that for, for me you know their their strategy is that you, you come from the future space so you're hardwired to be thinking about direction okay so but what a lot of people will do i'll give you an example of crude is they would um let's say crude sells off $10 or something crazy, and volatility spikes up through the roof. And if people go, oh, I think it's going to go back up, but I don't want to buy it here because it has to kind of get hosed, I'll buy a call spread. So crude's come off, it's gone through 50, and he buys a 50-55 call spread. And whilst you know that might cost X, but the moment he buys that 50-55 call spread, he's right. And directionally, crude goes back up, and that's fantastic because you're now getting paid for the long 50. And but one of the problems that a lot of people come back to, oh, I didn't make as much money as I thought, because when crude turns around, volatility will fade away. So at that moment in time, when you bought that call spread, you were actually buying volatility at the top, because as, as you said, same with the, with the, uh, the S&P, as it, as it falls off, everyone does the same thing. They it, it comes off 100 handles. They all go and buy call spreads. Actually, something that's worth thinking about is if you're if you're confident of the turn coming, i.e. we've bottomed, what you see a lot of institutions do is, is they're selling put spreads. It's still a limited risk strategy, but you're selling volatility at the high, and every day you're getting paid. And then the, then the turn comes. Let's say you're wrong. The turn doesn't come. It carries on going, and you're still in a, lim- a limited risk loss. But the turn comes. you're Not only is volatility off, you're getting paid. So... You tend to find that the retail guys think all the time of the direction of where they want to go. It's like they're flying an aircraft and they they want to know where they want to land. A lot of institutions are quite happy to kind of look out the back window and just make sure and, and make sure there's nothing kind of chasing them. And that's that that's if, if I was going to give a tip to somebody, that's that's to think that way around rather than thinking. Always in the direction of travel think of the opposite direction of travel, but in a limited risk way
0: Ira, I'm gonna give you the last word today and we've talked a lot about Some of the things that you're you're focused on we talked about the um, how Pax and I use your blog and other macro traders blogs for execution and day trading going forward What is a macro theme you think we as traders should be keeping an eye on? Thanks,
9: Anthony. And this is, uh, I'm just sitting there and I'm discussing it with myself, uh, which I always do. Um, Here's what is important, because today, an important piece came out this morning, and I I knew it was going to gain some traction to be discussed, which was uh, previous New York Fed President Bill Dudley had a piece uh, talking about how the Fed should not uh, enable Donald Trump's trade policies by continuing meeting them with lower interest rates. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, I have actually discussed this uh, ad nauseum for five months and and talked about the trap that uh, Donald Trump was laying for the Fed, wh- which I believe that it's a trap. And that's what basically Dudley says, that they've walked into the trap. Because Trump knows that if he wants to turn up the, the tariff rhetoric, it has a negative impact on equity markets. It makes mar- financial markets nervous, and the Fed is forced to respond, which, why else did uh, did they cut rates at the, on July 31st? It was a response to Trump trapping them, and Trump wanted more. And then you got the speech from Jackson Hole. Trump wanted more. He didn't get it. Boom the rhetoric gets turned up. This has been very consistent. So Dudley says, you know, he he advises don't fall into the trap and stop cutting rates and stop enabling them. That's, I I don't, there's not a word of that that I I disagree with. But here's where I, 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 I gained from this in reading what Dudley had to say. Not one mention of the dollar and trust me, this is the final. Well, trust me, don't trust me. Go do your work and read it yourself. Don't trust a word I say, because I'm here to dispel narratives. And anybody who reads my stuff knows that I, I build a lot on Epson uh, theory, which is uh, Ben Hunt's gr- great work. It's that's far more difficult than my stuff to understand, but he talks about the importance of narrative. Well, to me, the narrative now going forward I don't care what they're talking about on CNBC. I don't care. Because that's a bunch of salespeople who meet an exec and they're trying to, you know, uh, build customers. Uh, And it's all to that narrative, you know, selling Wall Street. I don't care about it. What I care is if they're right, they're right. But in this venue, in Dudley's speech, not one word is mentioned about the dollar. So Trump's final... uh, effort to trap the Fed, because the Fed says, oh, we're not cutting rates. We're just going to sit here. You figure this out. Then the White House will ramp up the currency war. And I mean a legitimate currency war, not around the edges. They will start talking about ways to start depreciating the dollar. And don't forget, that's not a Federal Reserve mandate. That's under the authority of the Treasury, which is Mnuchin, who I, readers of my blog know the way I feel about Mnuchin, and it's been two and a half years of constant banging that drum. But they have that power. And Bob Lighthizer, who's the mainstay of Trump's trade agenda and is a very tough negotiator and a very bright guy and who was very involved in James Baker's Plaza Accord back in 1985, Bob Lightheiser knows how to use the tool of currency depreciation bills, oh, they they don't have enough strength. They don't have enough strength? I'll take you back to 1998 when uh, Bob Rubin was Secretary of the Treasury and they intervened on the yen in June of 1998 to drive the yen higher. The The Treasury has a lot of power. And just the jawboning and the tweeting, we are going to get into some very, very, very powerful fx foreign exchange so this is going to become something to trade i not can't tell you exactly when it's going to happen but it's on my radar screen it's something i'm going to watch and i'm going to look all around the edges for you know to find when in fact it is really getting into play so from this moment on where i have the only way i've been trading the currencies is really against the gold uh as you know people have listened to us anthony and, and certainly pax knows the gold currency, and then my favorite was the gold Swiss. I, I'm not. I'm not looking to buy dollars. I know a lot of people are bullish dollars, and they're going to tell you about the interest rate differential. Which, listen, I'm a I'm a fundamental analyst who's been doing this for 42 years, and I understand that. But but again, trading is a dynamic event. Markets are dynamic. If you operate with static lenses, you're going to get crushed. So I'm now. Is not going to change? I believe it's going to change because Dudley's article just makes Trump that much uh, capable of using that tool that he does control. And that can wreak all kinds of havoc upon the global system. So it's something that I'm going to be watching very closely, and I'm looking for it to gain traction in my trading narrative, uh, the one that I developed, because I think the currencies. The dollar is now going to become a tool in Trump's hand. You know, it's one thing to push the Fed; it's another thing to play with the dollar when he has control over it.
0: Great insight, Ira. Pax, we have a few minutes left. Any macro questions you have for Ira? Yeah,
10: Ira, how would um, is it possible that in in a world starved for yield, and I mean a whole world, we have almost, as you mentioned earlier, every every major developed country, except for us, UK, and, and it, well, we don't have negative interest rates. So every, in a world starved for yield, is it possible that instead of equity markets, instead of the indices falling apart, that maybe the indices have a rally or at least stay steady, aren't as bearish yes. as what I think they are?
9: Yes, yes, yes. And, and in that regard, I think the people who talk about the, the impact from the Trump trade, uh, uh, barrage tweets that go on, that sort of affects it. Because again, you know, as Rick Santelli has talked about for uh, so many years, uh, Tina, there is an alternative. If people are willing to buy gold, they'll be willing to buy equities in the short term. Because again, money's so cheap and if you see- seek out some high quality stocks, you find high quality stocks. And as long as they're not carrying a lot of debt, And they're they're paying uh, dividends that are far above um, the uh, 10-year U.S. Treasury note. And and Europe, of course, that doesn't even register because I'm looking at my list that I always keep in front of me. I have Portugal and Spain on 10-year debt paying basically 10 basis points. And then Ireland, Japan, Sweden, Belgium, France, Finland, Austria, Netherlands. Denmark, Germany, and Switzerland are all negative. Okay. So I don't even know what that means, but it, I, but it means something and it's setting people up for an absolute calamity there. So equities really are not, that's, are not a bad place. It's just that the geopolitical situation makes it very difficult. And of course, you know, we're, we're coming, we're 14 months away from election in the United States. So all these things, you know, are coming to the boil uh, and it, and one of the things that I'm looking for, I'm looking, I, I'm thinking that Trump is going to put tariffs on the Europeans. I know they had a great love fest at the G7, but as I, but as I said to somebody, you know, Trump and Macron were all lovey-dovey. But if I was Macron, I'd be very worried because every time Trump calls somebody his good friend and how wonderful he is, the next day he's putting tariffs on. You know, let's think about the, the. Uh, the effusive words he had for Xi. And and we know what that turned out. So don't equate one with the other. In fact, uh, it, it comes down to those who the gods seek to destroy, they first elevate to a higher level. So uh, be, it's one of those things you have to remain careful about here. And that's, the, so the equity markets, everybody says, well, Trump wants a strong equity market. I'm not sure what he wants. I'm not sure what he wants. I I didn't think he'd even want to be reelected, but evidently he wants to be reelected. But what plays out more? I I don't know. You know, I'm not sold, but the market left to its own devices in the the world of such ridiculous, and I say that ridiculously low interest rates. um, Again, you're... It's what Ben Bernanke talked about in Jackson Hole in 2010—the portfolio balance channel, where you sw- switch from uh, less risky assets, uh, called bonds, sovereign bonds especially, into more risky assets, equities—and people have been rewarded. And is that ending now? I mean, it, it will end. It will end. What what will really set it on fire? I I don't know, but it, it will end. But right now, people come back to it because. Where, where else are you going with your money? Bitcoin? No, I don't think so. Um, if you're in Asia and you're looking to move money, to move your, you know, to move out of your currency, Bitcoin is a is a is a legitimate alternative until it's not. So where do you go? And I'm telling you, it's much more rational to buy equities today than it is to buy bonds. I think bonds are they're setting this this market up for an absolute absolute calamity. And people better start asking, who is it that owns all these bonds? If you think bonds are going, are going, that bonds are going up and yields are dropping because we're on the verge of a recession, I, I laugh at you. I laugh at you. Because first of all, with the huge amount of deficit, with the huge amount of debt, like the US debt, is over a trillion dollars. And, and we have a good economy. So if the economy slows, the debt is going to explode. Why should interest rates on sovereign debt go lower? I understand short-term rates going lower because the Fed can control that and push things. But why, who, would, who would take these absurd low levels of return to, to take on all that risk? I, not I. Not I, said the little redhead. Not me. I, I'm not doing it. It, well, it, and it's a very dangerous, very dangerous world, and so people better start asking who is it that owns all these bonds. If you're not asking that question, and and you manage people's money, and I'm talking, I'm not, I'm talking about portfolio managers. I'm not talking about CTAs and people who manage trading money. I'm talking about people who manage investment money. If you're not asking who's buying these bonds, and you're, bl- you know, blindly uh, buying uh, TLT or uh, Whatever type of uh, bond ETF that you buy, you better ask who who is it that I'm that I'm uh, in cahoots with buying these debt because it makes zero sense to me zero zero and I know that the curve is inverted, but I'm not buying the long end. I'll buy a two year, which has been okay because you know people say oh you you've been touting the two year versus the long. I said yeah. I'm not saying you have to put the curve on, but that's what with my own money. That's what I've been doing. I've been buying T-bills, which have yielded more. So, yes, I'm not getting the capital appreciation, although if you bought two-year treasuries, you did get some capital appreciation. So it really has not cost me all that much relative to the amount of risk that I deem that people are taking on. But that doesn't mean there's not, as again, let's bring it back to trading opportunities and the ability to, to, to seek some profit. And, and you know, uh, Anthony, as well as Pax, I don't care about your political philosophy. I don't care about your partisan stance. This is everything that we discuss is just the ability to try to increase and enhance our profits. That's all. I, I don't care one iota and I don't want you to care one iota about what my political leanings are. Because if I'm really doing my job well, you shouldn't have any idea what those are. And, and you know, I, I censor people who wanna, who wanna bring their politics into the blog. It's just not allowed. And, and Pax, you brought up a point before, but if you follow the discussions that take place on my blog that I generate to get the discussions, you'll learn a lot more, because there are a lot of people who well, don't understand this. And all of a sudden people who do and will express it better than I can, are out there doing it, and you can really learn a tremendous amount. I learn from my readers. It, it, that, that's the beauty of, of everything I do. Here's there's a guy, in fact, I'm having breakfast with him tomorrow, Mike Temple, who I didn't know from literally from Adam, but he's been writing to the blog for years, and his comments are very good, and, they, and they're enlightening, and they offer trade opportunities. Here's a guy who's been long, on a consistent rollover over basis, the red Euro dollars. That's been his trade. You know, well, you know how well he's done with that trade for
10: the last year and a half? Phenomenally. I'm sorry to interrupt, Ira, but I've been reading. I, I, so I read, obviously, I read it. About a year ago is when I started to follow the, the red euros, and I haven't yeah. followed the red euros since I clerked in that, in, in that part of the euro dollar bread. Incredibly interesting.
0: Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.